this is Free Talk Live. Now, uh, you're hearing my voice, but this is not She Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. <laughs> just want to get that clear. Uh, she Talk Live will be back next month. Uh, this month, we have a special guest who has come in graciously to fill in for the Queen Quill, who is away. <laughs> so it's not going to be She Talk Live because this guest happens to be a man, but uh, I'm still very glad to have him. And, I'm, of course, I'm Stephanie with you, and my guest is, would you like to say hello? Sure, this is Brett. Good Hi, to Brett. be here. Yeah, great to have you. Thanks for coming in. My and pleasure. Brett is, of course, uh, the host of School Sucks podcast, and you should definitely check uh, them out. He's got just the most profound content <laughs> out there out of out of the podcast world, I have to say. I really always enjoy his, his show. And, uh, you know, it's made me think a lot about the things that I experienced in government school growing up and the way that kids are treated in general. Um, and I think those are really important topics to uh, very relevant to liberty. So you should all check that out. I, yeah, I also encourage you to do so. And thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. So uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, Brett, right? Absolutely. And uh, if you would like to call and weigh in with your thoughts, you can give us a call at 603-435-1105. One more time, that's 603-435-1105. And you can also check us out on the studio cam Although uh, it's the lighting's not looking that great, I'll have to fix that during the next break. Uh, studio's looking a little dim, but if you would like to hear this show uh, basically simulcast <laughs> as we're talking, you can hear the the most up to date stream at cam.freetalklive.com, and uh, I think also cam.lrn.fm works as well. So um, the first thing I wanted to talk about tonight, uh, unless we get some calls, is one quick thing I should mention. Oh, first yeah. of all is that I just want to warn everybody that I put out uh, some encouragement for some of the students in Wisconsin Mm -hmm. to phone in the show. I've been tracking some of them down on YouTube, some of these Wisconsin students who are standing in solidarity with their you right, know, public sector. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're standing uh, hand in hand with their uh, public sector employee teachers. And I've been reaching out to them and, you know, offering them a forum, uh, not with any intention of ambushing them saying, you know, there will be some challenging questions mm-hmm. and giving them a link to the website. Well, I haven't gotten much of a response yet. So the names I had compiled, which included about 15 students who were all active in these Wisconsin protests, I sent out an email just saying, we're on the radio tonight and here's the number. If you nice. want to uh, have a forum, I'd be happy to discuss that situation with you. Awesome. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, please call in. I mean, I hope that they tune into Free Talk Live. Maybe if they don't catch the show live, they'll, they'll check out the podcast and they'll want to call into Free Talk Live during the week because they do do this uh, seven nights a week. It's Ian and Mark during the rest of the week, and they're on 7 to 10 every night. Um, but yeah, maybe they'll get exposed to some new ideas and have some conversation. I hope they call us, though, because I would like to talk to them. I would really enjoy that. I had been trying to put together a roundtable, and they all seem so vocal you know, yeah. when they're being interviewed on, on television. Uh, you, I was hoping I could get three or four of them to come on my show and you know, talk about why they're supporting mm-hmm. these, uh, these public uh, worker union protests. Yeah, I haven't really seen much um, in the. I basically stopped paying attention to like mainstream news. Yeah, for better or for worse, it's a good idea. I don't know. I, I go back. I'm torn on that because on one hand, it can be a good outreach tool to people to say, "Hey, look what's going on in current events right now. This is what the government is doing. You know, these are some big abuses here." Um, but on the other hand, reading that stuff just makes me sad you know it's it's not gonna really persuade me mm-hmm. <laughs> of much I, I already have my views and so i don't know i sometimes i feel like what is it gonna do to read that 
And I think, too, that uh, the media has devolved into basically, you know, you look at Fox News, you look at MSNBC, and, you know, even these more, uh, these publications that are considered to be more highbrow, like the New York Times, Mm -hmm. it's basically just people, uh, you know, seeking out reinforcements for their opinions. They kind of swat away any opinions or fight against any opinions that contradict the belief system that they're comfortable with. And they retreat to Fox News or they retreat to the New York Times and they say, oh, I am right. Yeah. (laughs) People agree with me. People are saying the same things as me. So now I'm guilty of that, too. I have to be the first one to admit that I live in a libert- you know, libertarian bubble somewhat yeah. because I get most of my news from uh, pro-freedom sources. Yeah. But yeah, I think everyone has the tendency to do that. Although if you look at the mainstream news, it's basically just different flavors of statism. It's, it's not really uh, fundamentally that much different from each other. You know, they're, they're, maybe the red team and the blue team each have their publications that express certain uh, opinions, but they don't really diverge too too widely. I think in any way that really matters, there's really no difference between you yeah. know Fox and MSNBC or the right and the left. They're all pretty much you know mm. espousing the same ideas. And unfortunately, the, what most people think is news. I mean, these things like CNN, maybe not so much CNN, but definitely MSNBC and Fox. Mm-hmm. They are to news what like wrestling is to sports. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not. So like you mean fabricated staged kind of <laughs> very I, I, well I don't think that they're complicit in any kind of uh conspiracy to dumb people down it's just that you know they have no. 24 hours a day of content to fill well, well I mean 16 hours a day once you take out all of the uh you know blood pressure and right. erectile dysfunction medication <laughs> ads um they have 16 hours a day of news to fill so they need to be in constant contact with the government and they need to be i mean it's basically like access hollywood or entertainment tonight for washington yes. dc so they need to have contact with politicians they need to have access to these people so if they upset them they're they're going to lose their access and their competitors are going to get that edge mm-hmm. so what we see is people just lobbing softball questions at right. uh, you know the left or the right, and they just become basically like a, a propaganda or public relations arm of the government. Yeah. And in some cases, they actually recycle the government's own press releases and just pass it off as news. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although, do you think to a certain extent they're kind of responding to what people demand? I mean, I think people are a lot, a lot of times very interested in like celebrity gossip and that kind of quote unquote news. And so... I don't know. I mean, people do watch watch it. I don't know if it's because they if it's totally because they have sort of a oligopoly on on news, you know. Well, yeah, and that's why I would say that I don't think that the the, the cable media or or even the media in general is cons- uh, complicit in some kind of uh, you know conspiracy to True. dumb down the public. Because if you look at what is on the rest of the cable stations, we've got you know. The Kardashians, we have just a myriad of absolutely ridiculous reality TV shows. I thought shows. I only heard about them on Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> They're real. Yeah, they are real. Uh, they come in threes. And um, <laughs> the Jersey Shore, yeah, one of the most popular. So, I mean, people are sending these signals to the media market that, hey, we're really dumb. So, you know, if yeah. you could Im- incorporate some of that stupidity into the news, we might enjoy that. Yeah, so I take your point. Um, that, uh, but th- that's this been might years be in the what... making though. I mean, oh, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's not just that people suddenly or, or, or always were dumb. It's, it's like they've been conditioned in government schools, as I'm sure you well know, 
mm-hmm. to just go along to get along and to not really think critically or ask questions. I mean, I was just thinking about this the other day, thinking about science and how scientific uh, data is interpreted kind of by the public at large and how scientific um, misconceptions exist in like mainstream culture. And really the root of it is just that people are not taught critical thinking and how to determine whether something is uh, credible evidence Mm -hmm. or even how to use evidence to form opinions. You know, I think people also become intellectually lazy because Mm -hmm. they start to associate education and enlightenment with things that have they've always found to be excruciatingly boring because they were always (laughs) told to equate education, learning, enlightenment with what was going on inside those concrete buildings that Mm -hmm. they were shoved into for 12 years. So I think most people are resistant to that. And instead, what they want is like easy Easy answers, easy entertainment, Mm -hmm. so and and, you know, easy reinforcement of their own belief systems, which is why they're attracted to the this mind-numbing reality television, and why they're attracted to uh, Fox News because they want they like that simplicity. I think. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right, and I mean, do you think religion plays a part in that too? Because taking things on faith is, you know, if you learn to not question and you learn to say. To not say like, hey, this doesn't really add up. Maybe I should uh, explore this further. I think that kind of generalizes to other areas of knowledge. Would you agree? I would agree. Maybe we can get into that when we get back. Absolutely. And uh, the number is 603-435-1105 if you would like to call us. This is Free Talk Live. We'll be back shortly. Give us a call. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to our show. We're so glad to have you in the audience tonight. Stephanie here with you. And Brett. And uh, yeah, we would like you to give us a call and let you know, let us know what's on your mind. Our number is 603-435-1105. Please do call in and uh, let us know your thoughts. But uh, before the break last segment, we were discussing these Wisconsin protests, I guess. There's these public sector Public sector is too nice of a word. They're these government uh, government employees, right? Yes, there's lots of not nice but very accurate ways we could describe it. But yeah. I think most people go with with public sector, which you know, right. public is a euphemism for something that's controlled by the government, mm-hmm. essentially, or something that uh, swings from the umbilical cord, basically, of the taxpayers. <laughs> yeah, so, I was going to say, I don't want my wallet to be public. Right, right. Exactly. I don't want any part of my body to be public, you know, <laughs> yes. like things that I own, things that I have control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but anyway. Not even just a third? No. no. For the children? <laughs> no way. No, not for the children, Stephanie? <laughs> Sorry, can't do it. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, so I, anyway, we were discussing these protests that have been happening in Wisconsin, and uh, we do have a call on the line, but uh, maybe we should... Oh, the call dropped off. So, okay. All right. Maybe caller, you can call back, but uh, we'll just talk about this in the meantime. These protests have been happening in Wisconsin, and basically, these teachers are bargaining what they want to be able to bargain as part of unions for more uh, benefits and perks. Um, what I think, you know, the, the, they will swear up and down that um, it's not about the money. Yep. That it's about having collective bargaining rights. But I and then when you listen to these people talk, I, I've really seen two things. I've seen them basically recycle the same sort of prepackaged talking points 
no matter what they're asked, it's like it, sometimes it almost sounds like they're not talking to the person who's interviewing them because wow. they'll just start. It's, they, they sound like wind up toys. Wow. They're, like they'll just start reading off a script. I actually saw this interview where I think it was even on MSNBC, which you think would be relatively friendly to their cause. Right. But the they have a conversation for about three minutes and then the the anchor asks one of the teachers that they're interviewing, well, you say that the governor in the state won't come to the table to negotiate. How do you feel about your own Democratic senators basically skipping town? Mm-hmm. You know, and she instead of answering the question, she just starts encouraging the crowd to start chanting to drown out the anchors. Wow. Quiet. It was astonishing. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I wonder how many other people noticed that and, and thought about why that was a little off. <laughs> right. Very off. So they they will, no matter what they're asked, they'll just say, you know, if you're happy that you have a weekend, if you're happy that you have a safe work environment, yep. if you're happy about the 40-hour work week, you can thank us. Yeah. Well, no, that's – and you see how, how collectivistic their thinking is because mm-hmm. these other unions that were not in the public sector, that were in the private sector yeah. uh, 100 years ago might have made some strides in, in you know – Fixing some of the problems that were left over from the 19th century in the work environment. I mean, I'll concede mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. it wasn't the NEA and yeah. it wasn't public sector unions. So you see how how just collectivized they, they were. They're basically taking credit, yeah. you know. For it's it's almost like and it, it's as if no no employer would ever allow their employees to not work on the weekends if it weren't for them. You know, it's right. It's crazy. It's like saying the government invented the internet. They no, not at all. I mean, you know. You don't think that these greedy cap you think these greedy capitalists would have figured that out that they shouldn't have people working 110 hours a week? Well, you know, people who work 110 hours a week aren't necessarily the most productive or the most happy and they can always quit their job and go somewhere else because there are lots of employers out there who probably wouldn't would want to compete for their labor. Yeah, 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 and I think that's the that's the real thing that people forget about in the market is that there's competition for labor as well. Mm-hmm. And I like how you turned that around, Brett. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I like that technique. But there's a there's a big difference between public sector workers and uh, and private sector workers with respect to unions. I think that I don't have I, I certainly don't have anything against the concept of, of unionization or collective bargaining in the private sure. sector. The market has a, a you know a correction mechanism where if the union gets too powerful. And of course, in a free market, that could never happen because they couldn't ask, you know, the government to point guns or make laws to give them more power and to give them more taxpayer resources. And to protect them when they use violence to try to get their way. Exactly, exactly. Um, But even if that could happen somehow, if a union could get too powerful, they basically uh, destroy themselves because if they demand too much from their employer, you know, who's who's focused on a bottom line Mm -hmm. and they say, no, give us more, give us more. We don't care about your profits. We don't care about being in the red. You just keep giving us more. Uh, That company is going to go out of business and they're not going to have jobs. And as we saw in the last few decades in this country, especially in the Midwest, especially in the automotive industry. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought. As these unions became more powerful and and just in manufacturing in general, all those jobs, there was a mass exodus Mm -hmm. of jobs because the companies, a lot of these companies that did manufacturing said, well, wait a minute. The, the economy around the world develops at different speeds. We have people in Southeast Asia who have, you know, for generations never been anything but peasants. Right. We can pay them a lot less, still increase their standard of living. Uh, so, you know, it helps us. It helps them. Mm-hmm. It helps that country. So they'd be happy to have us. The only people that it hurts 
are these unions that were trying to basically put us out of business right. by, uh, you know, being greedy. Mm-hmm. Now, now, obviously, there's a balance of did unions come in and, and in some ways make a positive difference uh, at, the, at the turn of the 20th century? Sure. But it's also these things work on a continuum. Mm-hmm. And once you start grabbing that government power, where does that stop? Where does that go? I mean, we see where it went. Yeah. We um, see that it doesn't stop. So we saw that the market has some corrective forces in the private sector. In the public sector, the trough is endless because right. the government can just keep taking more and more money from taxpayers. So those unions can grow and grow and grow. And as they get more resources, they can you know, send that money back to Washington, send that money back to their representatives, lobby for more laws, lobby for more control. And it's just like this giant monster. Yeah. So it's two very, very different things, the public and the private sector when it comes to unions. Yeah, absolutely. I liked what you said about them having this endless access to other people's money. Yeah. I mean, it really is like making people's wallets public, as we said before. Right. And that that there's no way the market can ever correct that because the government receives no market signals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you think about how much time and effort it would take for people to get involved in politics and lobby the government and say, you know, I don't want my taxes to go up a hundred or a thousand dollars a year because, you know, these teachers are going to be getting more benefits. Mm -hmm. No, it's not worth anybody's time really to do that. But, but yet, you know, they can lobby the government and they can get these really concentrated benefits, which have dispersed cost essentially. So it's, there's always an incentive for it to happen that way where the, the benefits will be concentrated onto certain groups. Yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of a, of a democratic system, right? Because right. everybody talks about it like it's good, like, oh, you get a voice. But what it really does is it concentrates the benefits and disperses the costs. Right. So who's going to fight to save $11 a year in taxes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Although against... I would argue that it may be more, more than that. I mean, just thinking about the, the amount of property taxes mm-hmm. that I pay. I mean, I'm a homeowner. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a ridiculous amount just to support... A couple of schools in my town. I don't have any children. You know, I I don't think that I should be paying that. Right. I don't of course wanna, you shouldn't. No. I mean, who decided that I'm obligated to do that? I don't think I am. Oh, well, <laughs> more in a minute, I guess. Yeah, we'll be back with more. This is Free Talk Live. If you'd like to give us a call and weigh in with your thoughts, our number is 603-435-1105. We'll be back. Annual Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring presented by Fresh from Florida is coming March 19th. See Porsche, Corvette, Ferrari, Jaguar, BMW, Mazda, Acura, Audi, and many other world-class racing teams battle in America's toughest road race as Sebring hosts the first race of the Intercontinental Le Mans Cup in 2011. Gates open Wednesday, March 16th. Order your tickets today by calling 800-626-RACE or visit SeberingRaceway.com. See the cars and stars in the American Le Mans series, driver autograph sessions, vintage race cars, and visit the Party Zone, featuring a Spring Break Bikini Contest. Up and coming band Selby, Jumpman, Alluvion, Selena Jordan, and DJ Scotty B. Presented by GoMobileWeb.com. Four days of family fun at Sebring and children club and under admitted free. Get all the info at SeberingRaceway.com. The 59th Annual Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. Presented by Fresh from Florida. March 19th is the date. Sebring is the place. Order your tickets at SeberingRaceway.com. Across your park by Budweiser, Jaguar, and Michelin. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. 
This is Stephanie here with you tonight. And Brett. And we're doing a show for you. It is your show. You can call in about whatever you want. Our number is 603-435-1105. One more time, that's 603-435-1105. And you can, of course, see us on the CAM doing what we do if you go to cam.freetalklive.com or cam.lrn.fm. And we uh, we were talking about the Wisconsin protests and some of the uh, things that go into that concepts behind unions and uh, government taking people's money and whatnot. But we do have a call on the line, so we're going to bring on David and Keen. David, are you here? I'm here. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm gonna say that I appreciate you as a host all the time when you're on, Stephanie. Well, thanks, when you're on When you're on with um, Prometheus Unchained, which was on today, which unfortunately I missed. Oh, that's okay. They do have a podcast, which is available at flamingfreedom.com. And I know. I've, I've utilized that much. Actually. Excellent. And maybe <laughs> some of the other listeners would, would want to check that out. But thanks. I really appreciate um, the fact that you enjoy listening. Yeah. And I appreciate both y'all's views all the time. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm calling to not because I'm not in agreement with hardly anything y'all are saying today. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Great. Yeah. One, I I think Republicans and Democrats are very different, extremely different. One is one is on the more on the side of the unions, and one is less on the side of the unions. One is happy to demonize Muslims and have Muslim hearings, and you know just tell the world that Muslims are horrible people and one is is not in that vein. Um, well, uh, can I, I am, just... I am, yeah, I'm huh? just going to interrupt you there, David. Um, I, I can see that, you know, there is sort of more of a uh, warmongering, I guess, anti-Muslim uh, sentiment, I guess, on the Republican side would be what you're referring to. But uh, yeah. we do have a, a Democratic uh, president right now who has right. not closed Guantanamo... I mean, I, I think, and has not really ended the war in Iraq, despite saying that he would. And so, I don't know, I, maybe they, the Democrats don't uh, have the exact same rhetoric as Republicans, but in their actions, they're essentially the same. Well, the health care, that would probably, I doubt that would have happened without... without the health care uh, bill that passed in, in, in the last year? I know it's aligned with the with the insurance companies, and they get huge money for it. But I don't think anything would have went anywhere with a Republican. Well, that sounds it. like something Republicans would do. From my understanding of what <laughs> most people think of Republicans, yeah. is that they would try to help the big bad insurance company, which is exactly what Obama and the Democrats did. Right. So, I mean, here's here's my little speech, and I'll give you give you this in a nutshell, and then you can react to it, David. But, um, you know. The, these two political parties that have so much power in this country, they have an agenda that I think if they were honest and open about what they want to do at their upper le- echelons, you know, the, the elites in the Democratic and Republican Party, if they were forthright with people about what it is, it would be very unpopular. So what they try to do is uh, find a, a group of people that they can tell a story to, and then that group of people will put momentum behind their agenda. Yep. So the Democrats came up with this trick first where they said, you know, with their elitist mindset, they said, where can we find a bunch of people who are gullible and uneducated and will believe the things that we say? Oh, minorities, 
poor people. So we'll tell them that we're the party of the downtrodden, and we'll use the mythology of people like Franklin Roosevelt and Lyndon Johnson, and we'll tell them a big story about how all we care, we lose sleep at night if we can't help these poor other you know, downtrodden people. And I think in the late 70s and the early 80s, the Republicans looked at this strategy that had been relatively effective for the Democrats. They said, where could we find a huge group of people who will believe anything that we say? Religion. So yeah, they go to the Bible Belt. <laughs> yeah. If those people believe that the earth is 5,000 years old and the first woman was made out of a guy's rib, <laughs> what could we possibly tell them that they wouldn't believe? So, so they both use the same trick. And keep in mind, this is two groups of people that go into that building on that hill every day in Washington, D.C., and they use other people's money to reward their friends and punish their enemies. So if they have different talking points or if they've decided to target different groups of people for their rhetoric and their lies, I would still say that that's not a difference uh, in any way that matters ethically. So you, know? you think the whole country are just a bunch of dupes? Uh, no. What do you mean the whole country are a bunch so of So you think all we're doing is, is just buying a whole bunch of slock from them people? You don't think the, the actions stand behind the words? Whose actions? I mean, people just... Uh, what I'm saying is is that you're saying that, this, that they're selling all this stuff to these people, but people vote on... I mean, by by their fruits, you will know them. You know what I'm saying? And And that's... And, 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 well, um, David, David, I think the fruits that they do is what speak loud. Their words, everybody knows politicians talk. So, what and, are the and fruits? The reason that, yeah, reason I, the, I think the, the African Americans, I mean, the, it's obvious, you know. So, show me the I fruit. Mean, Let's see what's the fruit. Yeah. Well, I mean, didn't, didn't Lyndon Johnson pass tons of civil rights stuff? Uh, no, what what Lyndon Johnson did in following in the footsteps of John F. Kennedy, and, and you know, to be honest with you, I don't think John F. Kennedy was, was a bad man. I mean, and I, I think that in many ways, he, from what I know about him, and I used to teach history, so I researched mm-hmm. uh, the, the person behind a lot of these, you know, figures that have just historically been carved in stone at this point. I don't think John F. Kennedy was as bad as uh, of a guy as a lot of the people who've held the title of president, but... And maybe he had some genuine interest in, you know, if not just for the sake of his own legacy, moving the civil rights uh, discussion forward. But uh, the civil rights movement happened because of people. It happened because of the people yes. who, are, who are doing the exact same things that you see in Keene happening. It didn't happen because a, a guy from Texas signed a piece of paper. Uh, that, it happened was, because, that followed. He jumped on the bandwagon. Right. What, what politicians people... do is they see a parade mm-hmm. uh, that's coming, that's, that's people. And it, it, it's about change, and it's about standing up to oppression. It's about oppression. ideas, people and, realizing those ideas are wrong. Yeah, and yeah. It, about ideas. And they say, well, does, what, does that parade shake up the status quo too much? Well, if, if we can you know, head it off at the pass, we should try to beat it down, which is why you saw in the early 1960s people having tear gas grenades thrown at them and dogs sicked on them and being beaten with billy clubs. And we have the murders in Mississippi of civil rights workers, which involve the cops. Uh, but when that movement grew too powerful, you know, with people like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, the politicians said, we can't stop this parade. Let's jump in front of it and pretend we're leading it. Let's pretend it's for us. And that's why, and, and when people say Lyndon Johnson is why uh, African-American people have civil rights, that is so, no uh, nothing against you, David, well, but that is so reductive and sickening to me that, um, um, I, well, I don't know. I consider, my, I consider myself on the left side of things, and the reason I consider myself on the left side of things is because of, um, 
because uh, just as the same reason a lot of African Americans are on the le- a quote unquote left side of things, the so, same reason. So, David, what you're saying, if I understand it correctly, is that you know you care about people, right? You want them to have good lives, right? And well, that, and I don't want corporations to. That's another thing I disagreed with y'all on. Is is um. Uh, I'm like for the unions and for the teachers, and I personally think um, the corporations and things like that, they're just like money machines, and they'll devour people, and they'll devour land, and they'll trash it, and and, and this country has, has chosen to give... Give um give the workers some rights and and give the land, draw the line on on what you can do with land, water, and sea, and mm-hmm. uh, and the corporations said to well we can't we then we can't do our business here we got to go somewhere where we can trash the people the land and the sea. Well, yeah, I definitely I definitely sympathize, David. I mean, I understand the anti corporate sentiment, especially when you see these, at it. when you yeah. see these companies with these business practices. I mean, like. For instance, Walmart uses eminent domain to try to get land to build their stores on. Right, right. And I think that we it's really important to remember that corporations would not exist and especially wouldn't exist in the form that they do today, where they get favors from the government. They get all kinds of sweetheart deals without the government. Government is what enables them to exist. Right. And corporations versus unions is a false choice. It's a mm-hmm. false dichotomy. It's two people who are trying to use the guns of two groups that are trying to use the guns of government to get their way and impose it on others. Exactly. And David, thank you so much for the call. We got some other calls right, on the line. We appreciate you. And you can call us at 603-435-1105 if you'd like to weigh in with your thoughts. This is Free Talk Live. We'll be back. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for sticking with us through the break. This is Stephanie with you. And Brett. And uh, we do appreciate you listening to us tonight. And thank you so much for all the calls we've gotten tonight. The phones are loaded up, and it's not even uh, through the first hour yet. Usually the calls don't start rolling in until about the end of the show. So we certainly appreciate your participation. And, of course, if you would like to call us, you can give us a call at 603-435-1105 and let us know what's on your mind. But uh, we did have a call come in during the, uh, the last segment. This is Mike in New York. Mike, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, guys. Hey, Mike. Hi. So what was on Um, your mind tonight, Mike? Well, I wanted to talk about the difference between Democrats and Republicans, because I used to be a college activist in the day and was a hardcore Republican. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that uh, I've always mentioned to people is if you really want to see the similarities between the two parties, then you should definitely go to one of their conventions. Like, uh, I went to a lot of CPAC conventions. And Mm -hmm. go with a very... uh, open mind to looking at what they're exactly saying with their messages. Because what I noticed with the Republicans was they started to sound more and more like Democrats. They were always talking about some kind of welfare programs, but mostly, you know, corporate welfare, not so much uh, welfare for the poor. But um, it is really easy to see the similarities if you just sort of know what to look for. And I, and I would recommend saying, you know, look look at what they're actually saying. Are they Are they giving out welfare? And it all comes down to they want to take your money to do something with it that they they want to do. They, you know, they're not really concerned with your well-being at all. Yeah, I think that's spot on from what I've seen. Mike, do you know that those conventions yeah. are paid for with taxpayer money, by the way? Because they're considered, oh. they're uh, uh, appropriated money for that because they're considered to be educational events? Ah, no, I didn't know that at all. Well, wow. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I you, they even have a spot. Uh, uh, sorry, go ahead, Mike. 
Well, I just started to see that a lot of it was, um, you know, the, the same sort of rhetoric that you would get from Democrats, only, you know, sounding a little bit more Republican than Democrats, you know, but it really it's not, not much of a difference. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. It's if you especially if you look at their actions and you kind of strip oh, yeah. away some of the rhetoric and you look at exactly what they do. I mean, just compare the last two presidents. This is something that Brett and I talked about on the last show that we did together on Free Talk Live. Um, just comparing the actions of Obama and Bush, they haven't done anything of any significant substantial difference. Right. Right. And actions are what matter, you know, not words. Words might get people to uh, knock on doors and, you know, campaign for a particular politician, as we were discussing before. You know, they might motivate the base, quote unquote. But at the end of the day... Uh, actions speak much louder than words and their oh, actions yeah. reflect the fact that they're taking people's money and doing what they want with it, as you said, Mike. And I think that if you just kind of distill their message down to the most essential part for both sides, it seems to be give us money and more power or bad things will happen. You yeah, know, I mean, that really right. seems to be if you look at the especially the 2004 Republican convention, the 2008 uh, Democratic National Convention. I mean, that was the message. That was the one where they, uh, the police, the Denver police had those outfits that said, we get up early to beat the crowds, right? Yes, the exactly. Wow. wow. Yeah. I, I mean, think one of the biggest things to look at, though, is to look at the, the way the country has moved over the last 40 years. And even though there's been Democrats in power one year and Republicans the next year, we're heading in the same direction regardless of who's in power. Well, know? that's and, and it's interesting, that, too, yeah. because the theme every time that there's a new election, uh, you know, what are the Republicans going to run on in 2012? I will tell you, it's going to be change. Same thing the Democrats <laughs> yeah. did in 2008. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing the Democrats did in 2004. Republicans in 2000. Republicans in 96. Democrats in 92. Republicans in 90. I mean, how far back do you want me to go? Because the question at every election is, hey, are you happier now after four years of so-and-so? Are you better off after four years of so-and-so? And nobody ever is. So the theme for every – I mean, Obama kind of uh, you know made it famous and made it kind of cliche. But that's the theme – for every presidential or even congressional elections every two, four or six years. Right. So. Yeah. And, and somehow people just forget, you know, at the end of it only takes them four years to forget like, oh, this is how bad the last guy was. You know, I should keep keep within this system and keep hoping that something is going to be significantly different, you know, mm -hmm. between these two parties when it it just never is. And it amazes me that even people who are older and who've been around through many cycles of this still continue to have faith in this system and to continue to, part to participate. It's amazing. Well, it's like what, what Brett was talking about before. It's like, it's a religion almost. Uh, you're yeah. going after that thing. Well, it's just hope and change. And the more you believe, the more faith you have, things will get better. It's never done. Right, right. Yeah. Mike, I have a question for you. Um, sure. You said that you're a reform, reform conservative, I guess. What yeah. was it that sort of changed your mind or made you go into more of a liberty perspective? Um, I had a friend who was also in the college Republicans with me, and he was start, starting the, the journey. Um, he was reading Rothbard at the time, and uh, mm. started giving me articles from Lou Rockwell, and uh, I started reading Rothbard myself. But what really hit the nail uh, in the coffin was at the last CPAC, I think it was 2006 I went to, and um, Senator Mitch McConnell was there giving a speech about how the government needs to get, get out of the family by creating a government program to get the government out of the family. <laughs> and I saw that, and I, it was like everybody was cheering, and I'm sitting there like, whoa, 
well, that was like mind blowing. Like, did he just say that? <laughs> Didn't make any sense to me. Um, but also, as an activist, as a conservative activist, um, you know, I got to meet a lot of politicians, and a lot of them would say one thing in the campaign, and then when you're backstage, you know, they'd say something completely different, and that really turned me off to a lot of it. Yeah. Wow. I'm just still reeling from that story you told about a government program to get government out of the family. I, ca- I can't even imagine <laughs> yeah, what that would be. Wild. And and of course, know, if you look at the, the Republican Party and their actions, I mean, everything they've d- they've done has been to interfere with the family. I mean, wasn't it Bush who wanted to mandate like uh, premarital counseling for all couples who are about to get married? And, you know, they've, yeah. they've wanted to regulate uh, various things things related to homosexuality and, you know, ban gay marriage and all that kind of stuff. They're very concerned with what people do in their private lives. And in the meantime, yeah. they're having affairs, you know, in their office. They're they're not really uh, doing the things that they publicly say are conducive to happy families and, and all of that kind of thing. So clearly they just have no integrity and mm-hmm. they're just saying whatever they, whatever they think will get people to support them. Exactly. It's like a total mind game. Where they just um, have you ever heard of uh, the thing called neuro linguistics programming? Yep. Yes, I have. Of, it's kind of that. It's like let's just say a lot of fun sounding, happy, warm, fuzzy words, and people will totally look the other way when we do our own actions and live our own lives. Wow. And I started to really see that uh, the more I got into campaign work, and uh, it was just kind of disgusting me. Well, people people sort of do their own self maintenance with that as well with the language that that they use. And I, I said a, a few times in the past that like, we all understand how thoughts turn into words, but words also have a tendency to turn into thoughts. Um, and I, when I've had conversations with people and they employ these first person plural pronouns, when they're talking about the government, like we, our, us, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, who are you talking about? Yeah. And they get really upset when, when I say, when I, they yeah. say we, and I say, do you mean the U S military? Cause that's not me. I didn't do those things. I, I, what other organization that you're not a part of that doesn't care about you do you use first, plural, uh, first person plural pronouns to refer to? And that's really upsetting for people because that's their programming. Um, right. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, a lot of this, it's not, it's not an intellectual superiority thing. A lot of this is emotional. And it's very difficult with people who are older who've poured more of their hard-earned money into this system and more of their emotional en- uh, energy into the system as well. It's harder for them to let go. And sometimes it's impossible, which is really why I think it's important to focus on, on younger people. Absolutely. Yeah. It's almost like you're in a bad Like most people are in a bad relationship with the state where they put so much work into it. They really believe in it, but they don't want to see that the girl is just not into them, you know? Right. Uh, right. And she's abusing them emotionally, financially. Yeah. Or and <laughs> then they and then yeah. they wind up saying things like, "Well, I shouldn't have been antagonizing him while he was drunk," you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah they make excuses for the abuser. Right. Exactly. It was my fault. I should I, I should act differently. Yeah, I mean, you and hear people I, say that well. all the time when people, you know, when a cop does something, you know, like. I just remember like when Pete got arrested for wearing a hat in court. There were so many people who said, "Well, he shouldn't have been wearing a hat." Really. You're going to tell me on yeah. you shouldn't have been wearing a hat. It's his fault somehow. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's just it's insane. Like, it really is like the uh, the state is is a metaphor for family. Oh really, yeah. Um, yeah, people yeah. sort of look at it as well. He's you know the state, the cop, whatever. He's like my father figure, and well, if if Pete did something to get arrested, then he must have been doing something wrong. You know, well, it's an extension. Well, maybe it was the state. 
Yeah, and I think I think um, you know more than a metaphor, it's actually a, an extension. I think a lot of the of what people learn in their families, right? Yeah, and I that agree. that makes school make sense, and then twelve years of school certainly makes the state make sense. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's really important to deconstruct the psychology of these things in order to understand it, so you won't Indeed. fall victim. So, Mike, unless there's something else on your mind, thanks a lot for the call tonight. We certainly do appreciate Thank your you thoughts. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. And uh, we'll be back with more. This is Free Talk Live. Give us a call. We'll be back. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to our show. We are so glad to have you listening tonight. My name is Stephanie. And my name is Brett. And uh, we're here to entertain you (laughs) and have a discussion with you, of course. And the only way we can do that is if you call us at 603-435-1105. One more time, that's 603-435-1105. And of course, if you go to freetalklive.com, you can see all these cool features and uh, have our number for future reference in case you forget it. And also see us on the cam. You should check out Brett because, you know, he, he eats a paleo diet. He works out, you know, eye candy. Oh, thank you. Ladies. I'll, I'll wave. <laughs> Yeah, we're just kidding. I mean, actually, we both uh, try to keep healthy, right, Brett, by uh, by eating a uh, low-carbohydrate diet. And yes. we were just talking about that a little bit before the show. Mm-hmm. We had a, a wonderful uh, guest in the studio, I guess you could say behind the scenes, which was uh, a demo from Liberty, Liberty on Tour, right. who made us uh, a, not not for us, he made it for himself, but he shared it with us, a delicious uh, pork rump of some kind. Yes, yes. That was very good. <laughs> so we want to thank him for that. Um, but anyway, back on topic. Before we had a couple of calls, and by the way, I thought those were really cool calls. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know? We had one that was kind of um, kind of disagreeing with us from David, and we got to talk to him about unions and corporations. And I, I understood where he was coming from, absolutely. I mean, I, I could really sympathize. I don't like it, you know, the feeling of, I guess, corporations kind of stepping on the little guy, I guess you right. could say. Um, but it, it is so important to remember that they can't and wouldn't exist without the government and the government really enables them. And mm. then we, and then we had another call from um, Mike who was saying that he was a reformed conservative and he was wanted to tell us about the difference, lack of differences between the two parties. So those were both very interesting calls, but um, we were talking about the, the Wisconsin protests, you know, they're trying to get their collective bargaining rights uh, for the teachers. And, there's there have been these protests and these teachers are, I guess, somehow convincing students to come out with them and sort of espouse some of the same talking points, you know, about the weekends. And if you if you like the weekend, you should vote for us and all that kind of thing. Right. Right. Exactly. And their cause is just, uh, you know, so just that they're managed managing to convince teenagers to not go to high school. You know? That's hard. That is really <laughs> tough. You know, I wouldn't have missed a day of government school if I, even if I was sick, even if I was had the flu, I would have kept on pressing on. Oh, going. I went to bed with my school clothes on so I could <laughs> jump up and get there even quicker the next day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we're being facetious. I took every opportunity possible to miss government school, especially, you know, when it got towards the end of my senior year, yeah. I was into college and I said, nope, I think I'm not going to. I'm not going to be so into this. I think I missed about 30 days my senior year. Nice. Mostly signing myself out of school with notes. <laughs> uh, first yeah. and second period every day. I won't, you know, but then me and my friend would usually take off. Yeah. Go play golf. Time better spent. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. then you're actually learning a skill and you're not being 
uh, lorded over by these authoritarians who really just want to teach you how to be an obedient citizen. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I really wish I had realized some of this stuff earlier, I guess, and seen the domination memes that were present, not only in government school, but in my family, in my religious upbringing. Um, I, I just wish I had had some of those insights before. And, uh, you know, before the break, we were kind of talking about deconstructing these things a little bit, that people learn to be obedient and to apologize for their abusers, uh, you know, very early on in life. In their families. In this fact. is what pains me so much, too, about this situation in Wisconsin and why I put so much effort into trying to, you know, get these kids to come on my show and have a conversation. I don't want, as opinionated as I am about this issue, as much as I feel like I know mm-hmm. about this issue, I don't want to ambush them. Yep. You know, I don't want to bully them. But, like, it's 2011. I mean, I was, I was going through high school we didn't even have the internet like in the 1990s yeah. or, you know, it uh, wasn't readily accessible. Mm-hmm. So there was no way for us to, uh, you know, connect with people and learn a lot of this stuff. But today it's so easy. And with all of these channels of information and communication that are available to these young people today, I mean, I found them all on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. And easily you compiled a list of like, you know, 15 students, you said, who yeah. you could contact. And I the found internet. them through these social networking sites. But the people that they're listening to, the people who have their ear mm-hmm. are their public school unionized teachers. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. So when, I mean, they, they are forced to go to government schools, to be fair. They are stuffed into these concrete boxes for 1500 hours, 50,000 mm. hours yeah. you know, over the course of their education. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that. Now that we have this wonderful tool, the internet, they should be exposed to different viewpoints. Yeah. You know? And it's just, it was, it was sad because when you were saying, I wish I could have realized a lot of this stuff earlier. Yeah. It's so easy to do that today. Yes. And I hate to see these young people who are being used as props by a system that destroys their capacity Mm -hmm. for free thought and critical thinking, Mm. you know, and, and, and cheering for that. Yeah. It reminds me of one of these, uh, you know, political conventions, which basically just look like a group of lemmings cheering about gravity. Right. Essentially. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Uh, and they're falling off the cliff the whole right. time. It's, re- it's really sad. And, and I was hoping that I could have some kind of an impact, even if it was just a handful of them, because I was watching these YouTube videos and it was so saddening. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you know, Maybe some of them are are actually listening and they're just scared to call in. Please, we would really like to talk to you. Our number is 603-435-1105. And even if you're not one of these Wisconsin students, please do give us a call and weigh in with your thoughts because we would love to talk to you. This is, of course, the show about your calls. Uh, And once again, 603-435-1105. But Brett, you know, something that you said before really struck me. And you were talking about how you saw these YouTube videos of these students and you were saying that it seemed like they were just repeating talking points and almost not talking to the person who they were ostensibly talking to. Right. Like they were talking at them or something. And, you know, part of communication, part of connecting with another human being is, is listening. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that these kids have been in systems, you know, their family, probably religion and government school, of course, as we know, where people have never really listened to them. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that was certainly how uh, it was certainly just going off my own experience and um, growing up like this. You know, I I felt a lot of times that my preferences as a kid were ignored 
or subjugated or, you know, considered to be less than those of adults. Um, couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. Couldn't learn about what I wanted to learn. You know, yeah. it was like, you have to do this because I said so. And I'm an or- arbitrary authority figure. And so really what I would want to do if I could talk to one of these uh, kids is, is listen to them and yeah. really listen to what they're saying. And, you know, maybe that could, sh- could start some kind of an exchange. The only thing that I would be um, confrontational with them about is if I asked them why they were there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of, I, I, I tried to run through this in my head a little bit because I didn't want to come across as, as a bully. Like I said, yeah. the only thing that I think uh, would have me on the offensive against them is if I asked them, why are you as an individual going to these things, if they started saying things like you can thank a union for your five day work week, Mm -hmm. I would need to stop them. I would need to cut them off because all of them are there and they're saying that this is about being heard. This is about our voice. This is about democracy. But dude, that's not your voice. If you're, if you're just spouting out your teacher's prepackaged talking points, Mm -hmm. that's not your voice or your parents talking points. And that's not about expression. Like if, if, me and one of these students, I mean, I hope if I could say this, you know, like if you and I were walking uh, and we passed a parrot and uh, one of us uh, said, oh, you know, it's beautiful today. Mm-hmm. And then as we pass, the parrot starts saying, it's beautiful today. It's beautiful today. <laughs> I mean, you, we, we would agree that that's not the parrot's opinion. Right. You know what I mean? That's not the parrot expressing itself yeah. or its individuality or its voice. So when I see these kids being used as props and being used as pet parrots, that's really sad because they are capable of so much more. And I, the adults might not be, mm-hmm. you know, most of these union delegates and teachers who are who are involved in these protests, they might not be capable of more anymore, you mm-hmm. know, at this point in their lives. But those kids are. Yeah. And, I, and I wish there, I, you know, it looks like it would be so easy to intervene. Yeah. But, uh, and Brett, you know, it's so obvious for me. I mean, just knowing Brett personally, uh, the work that he does with kids, it's very obvious to me that you do care about them and you care about their preferences and you want to help them express their own voice and their own individuality. I, I would I would like to help people, uh, you know, learn from some of the mistakes that I made or some of the things that I didn't realize. But mm. remember, too, I'm going to be an old man in a world that's run by them. Right. So <laughs> this is a little, you know, selfish, too. We'll be back. we got a call on the line. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back. This is Free Talk Live. We're so happy to have you listening to us tonight. This is Stephanie. And this is Brett. And you should give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind. We've had a lot of great callers tonight participating in a nice discussion. Oh, and we did have another call on the line, but uh, he just dropped off. We had Jacob on the line, but uh, maybe Jacob could call back. Maybe he had some uh, phone trouble or something like that. Be happy to take your call. Oh, maybe he's back. Well, whoever this is, caller, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is uh, Jacob. I, Hi, Jacob. I just dropped off. Yeah, I just dropped off the line. My phone got all staticky, so I I hang up and called back. Gotcha. Thanks for calling yeah. back. So, uh, what was on your mind tonight? Well, I, I figured I'd stay with the the general topic of um, kind of like you know the whole union debate and public and high, you know public teachers and and the unions and that sure and uh, that area. And, and I'm, I'm not a student right now, but I did graduate recently in, in 2009. And uh, I wasn't from, you know, liberty-minded uh, from high school or college. From high school, okay. Um, and I wasn't very liberty-minded at all back then. So you know, I was pretty much just eating up whatever these people told me. Um, but I do remember there was one teacher I had that you know was 
a high level union member. She like had tenure. She had you know all this stuff. And I just remember that we did absolutely nothing in her class. It was you know she didn't even you know care about teaching really even. Oh wow. And uh, yeah, it was it was really funny because she sit there and just espouse her opinions as if they were fact in our class, even more so than, you know, than just using the textbooks or something like that. She'd sit there and, you know, comment on, on current events and things like that. And, yeah. and, you know, of course, back then I just ate it all up. But, you know, now I look at it and see how awful it is and, you know, notice that it's next to impossible to fire someone like that is, is really scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost debatable whether it's better to sit there, um, Wasting time, I guess. <laughs> so you're not having certain, uh, I, I basically sit there learning nothing or to, <laughs> you know, what's better? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, you said you graduated from high school in 2009, Jacob? Yes. Oh, so that, I mean, this is really recently. So what was the, what was the transition like for you? Like if you say two years ago when you're mm-hmm. a senior, you're kind of eating up this person's uh, nonsense that's being spoon-fed to you. I totally understand that. And I, I was in exactly the same position, um, you know, when I was your age and even beyond your age. So what was the, what was the transition like for you over the last couple of years? How did you start yep. to uh, get this? So it, it, it was a very dramatic transition, actually. I, I, and all throughout high school, I did all four years in junior ROTC. Wow. Um, mm. at, oh at the same time, I was in the uh, the police uh, explorer program at my local hometown so that, that's kind of like ROTC except with, with the police department yeah. um, and uh, so I was involved in all that and then I was actually going to college on an army ROTC scholarship um, so I did one year at UNH with that and but um, when I first started going to UNH that's when I hooked up with the uh, uh, Young Americans for Liberty over there and they kind of like they started me on my path and luckily I was able to bail on the whole uh, ROTC thing and and I put college on hold, uh, you know, because of all that. But uh, wow, uh, yeah. So I, I bailed on that and everything. But it was, you know, it was. I started going to the, uh, you know, I went to the college Republicans meetings because you know, that's what I considered myself. And then uh, a couple of the uh, Young Americans for Liberty guys would show up at the college Republicans and, you know, um, you know, attempt to talk before they were quickly silenced. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and then you know they got me looking into Ron Paul. Of course, this was after the 2008 campaign. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I started looking in, I read a couple of his books and that, that kind of got me started and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a New Hampshire native. So, you know, it was kind of like the free state project had been going on around me this whole time. And I really, you know, I started to meet people and all that kind of thing. And, yeah. and, uh, I'm just, I consider myself lucky to have lived here all along. Cause like, it really sucked if I wasn't here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I certainly do enjoy being here. Uh, you know, in this community of a lot of people who have very similar ideas for sure. But yeah, yeah, so, that's amazing yeah. to hear about your transition <laughs> yeah it was a really dramatic change over just like a year and a half of, and you know was there like so, one moment was, was there one was that can you remember like the one thing that pushed you over uh, some people have that some people don't i mean it sounds like you were in pretty deep man you know yeah, ROTC, ROTC, police explorer police explorers yeah. yeah i mean that's deep yeah so, I, I wasn't pretty deep i, I don't really i'm I know it was kind of eating at me, especially when I got into the college and, you know, got into a, the, uh, you know, the big boys army, you know, big boys ROTC, right. um, mm. is I really started to run into the real bureaucracy and, and really realized, you know, this isn't really fun at all. And at the same time, I'm reading Ron Paul and uh, about how he's, uh, you know, against the wars in the Middle East. And that was a really new idea, a new idea for me. And so, you know, I bring that up in our class discussions. Um, and ROTC, and then just get blank stares, and that kind of scared me. Wow. Um, and 
also also bringing up things like you know I, I'd always bring up the uh, situation in Katrina where there were the army was the National Guard was used to forcibly disarm people and force people out of their homes. Yeah. So I was asking you know you know I, I'd ask you know my fellow cadets would would you follow an order like that and the overwhelming majority would be like oh yeah yeah definitely yeah whatever. Oh, so, wow. but what do they really say cared. what do they say besides I'm, I'm interested Jacob what do they say besides yes right because like I would even I w- I would think that. You know, even the most uh, brain dead of people would attach some kind of rationalization for why they yeah, would do they that. Yeah, they would feel a shred it, of conscience. It, I, I, so I'd use the Katrina example, and of course, you know, I'd say, so you, you'd go around and round up everyone's guns, and, and they'd say, oh yeah, it, it was chaos down there. People were shooting each other, and you have to maintain <laughs> order. And of course, that's that's the thing I got. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, that's that's the excuse they'd give me. And uh, and you know, or the you know, or the uh, the forced evacuations, where you know the people don't know what's best for them, and and we know what's best for them, and you know, and that kind of thing. So yeah, so it's, it's not chaotic when they have guns; it's just chaotic when everyone else has guns, and they need to use yeah. their their guns to force everyone else who can't have guns to do things. Yeah, right. Of course, yeah. and and you know, the real chaos I think might have followed. You know that that roundup of the weapons of peaceful people who are trying to protect their own homes because criminals always have guns. Sure. You know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, of course. And, and and they were just using the the weapon registry because I think they have you know you have to have your guns registered down there. So they were just you know mm-hmm. okay this person has a gun in their house let's go in and see if we can take it. And so of they were the- profiling by law abiding citizens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come talk on. about backwards. Come on. Doesn't make any sense. You know, Jacob, I, I think you said before that you would get these blank stares when you would bring up these foreign policy things uh, in your history class and, and talk to your ROCC classmates. Um, but, you know, even if you get blank stares at first, I would encourage you not to be not to be put off by that because you are planting seeds. You know, you are well, yeah, and, mentioning and, these and ideas. It was a kind of a, not a uh, what are you thinking blank stare. It was a kind of a. What that question is not even supposed to be asked. Blank stare. You know, it was a. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it was a. It was definitely a weird situation, especially you know, and and uh, I don't think I, I really didn't really drag any of the uh, you know the, the professors and the teachers who, who are all army like officers and stuff that into it, but I I did drag a few of the more senior cadets who were you know you know when you graduate you you become an officer so mm-hmm. um, you know I did talk to a few of them and luckily there was one cadet um, she's actually. Uh, she actually, you know, was my mentor, and she was pretty open to the, those ideas, and actually helped me along. And mm. and uh, um, yeah, so luckily, I had one, there was at least one person in there that you know kind of agreed with me to a certain extent. Sure. Um, well, I think yeah, these but, ideas, you know, especially when they're presented in terms of, um, you know, how they can benefit people, have these natural affinity for freedom. They know that they are responsible for their actions and the ultimate decider of how they live their lives. And I think those things have natural appeal. So, uh, Jacob, is there anything else on your mind tonight, or you got some other calls? Maybe I'll have to let you go. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah, All right. Thanks for the call, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. We'll be back with more calls online. Phones are loaded up. This is Free Talk. Free Talk Live. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Sticking through the break. We certainly have had a fun show so far. Isn't that right, Brian? Indeed. Very fun. Yeah, I'm having a blast, so thanks a lot for coming in with me tonight. It's been a really productive and fun show. Um, Phones have been loaded up all night, and I love how many calls we've been getting. Thank you so much for your participation. Do just want to introduce a 
very, very special guest who has oh, just yes. waltzed into the studio. <laughs> this is Hannah. Hi. Hi, Hannah. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for coming in tonight. Hannah's uh, for visiting in town, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. And so she graciously agreed to sit in with us for a segment. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're glad she's here. And I guess uh, I should introduce myself. I'm Stephanie. I'm Brett. And I'm still Hannah. Awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> I was worried that you had changed within the past couple oh, of seconds. So I guess this is uh, this is half She Talk Live or maybe two thirds She Talk Live. I don't know, Brett. What do you think? This, Yeah, great. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. So we do have a couple calls on the line. First, we're going to bring on uh, Brian. Brian, are you there? Yes. Hi. So uh, what was on your mind tonight? I've been listening to you guys for a few days now, and uh, I like your message. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when you said uh, these corporations couldn't be possible without the, the government we have today, I, I, I take it a step further and say they're one and the same. These big business and these corporations, these uh, big pharma, mm-hmm. um, the school the school systems, uh, and the big agriculture like Monsanto, and such corrupt oh. organizations. They're all they're all one and the same. So. Well, they're all they're all people who are willing to use or benefit from. Um, what appears to be legitimate types of force uh, to get their way, and that force is if uh, you know somebody in Washington or in somebody in some state capital writes something down on paper, then uh, it's okay to to do that thing. You know, oh, it's the law. Sure. And um, you, you know the the whole scheme for you know whether it's the the causes of the left like the unions or the causes of the i guess which would be more traditionally associated with the right like the corporations or the healthcare companies or the the military industrial complex uh, you know defense contractors um you know the theme is the same they want uh to pump money into the government to get laws written in their favor so they can have more power more control and you know more taxpayer money coming their way so I kind of I don't think it's all the same entity, but I think there's definitely a synergy there. Yeah, yeah. If you want to follow the money, you know, just look who got bailout money. I mean, McDonald's, <laughs> yeah, right? Oh boy, the the same people who uh, funded Obama's campaign, pretty much. And even when they just print money money for inflation, I mean, it always goes to the politically connected people first. You know, like the people in the financial sector who are dealing with money, the bankers and stuff like that, people who run the banks. Um, you know, when they increase the money supply, those new dollars that still have the purchasing power of the old dollars, mm-hmm. inflation hasn't really hit yet. Those go to the politically connected people. And so they're able to use that purchasing power. And then by the time the new dollars, you know, trickle down to everybody else, then they're worth less. And so inflation really hits uh, the people who are not politically connected. Right. For, the people you know, who get the m- Yeah. The people who get the money last are the poor people. Yeah. So whenever you hear about a new government program or some new spending initiative that's going to help poor people, if it requires money to be borrowed or printed, the, you know, the splashdown hits all the connected people first and then slowly ripples out uh, to everybody else. But by the time you know, the ripples get to the people who have no stake in the system, no connection to the system, no voice, no power, uh, by the time the money gets to them, the value of that money has already gone down. Exactly. Basically, right? Yeah, very well said. Yeah. So, Brian, was there anything else? I think you had some other comments when I was uh, screening your call during the break. Yeah, yeah. If You know, chances are if your listeners are listening to this show, then they realize that mainstream media doesn't really have any credibility. And uh, if, if they've come that far, they should realize that, you know, uh, you should question everything you hear, even if it's on this network or other similar networks. Sure. And um, uh, I, I don't know. I heard a sponsor... 
that was the same as Fox News Radio, which, you know, kind of makes me nervous when I hear, like, a LifeLock commercial, you know, and then, oh, so you're, like, you're referring to LifeLock, which is one of uh, Free Talk Live's advertisers, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. When I see you guys are getting the same money, like, you know, you got the same sponsors with Glenn Beck and Fox News, and hmm. and then you got, you know, and then you got Jones with this shameless, constant endorsing of gold, you know, and uh, how, who, you have to ask yourself, who would have unlimited amounts of gold to sell? The ruling class, right? Sure. I I mean, honestly, I don't know how useful it is to have this conversation with us because we're just the Sunday crew. I mean, we have no involvement with selling ads on Free Talk Live, no influence over who the uh, sponsors are. I guess that would be something to take up with uh, Mark specifically because he's the one who sells ads. Um, but, you know, I do see kind of a, a tension there because on one hand, uh, Ian and Mark want Free Talk Live to be successful and reach a large audience. And to do that, it takes money. You know, they want to be turning a profit. They want to be uh, able to invest a lot of that back in their show, which I know Ian does very, very uh, heavily. And so, you know, they, they don't want to be taking ads from just... Um, you know, some of the maybe the more smaller time advertisers, mm. you know, they want to be bringing on some kind of big names. So I can certainly understand why they do that. I think if there's anyone who maintains uh, principles in, in ethical advertising, you know, kind of selecting the products, I guess, to be to be things that uh, they believe in, um, it, it would be Ian and Mark. You know, I think they, they are more scrupulous than some other organizations. I think it's just it's knowing a, them. It's a good thing to try to be as principled as you can when doing business with other, other people. But they're, you know, you also have to be practical. Right. Sure. And so if you want to get things done, if you want, you know, to run a good business, then you have to, you know, make some s- sacrifices. It, you might have to sacrifice your principles to some extent. Mm hmm. But there's a if big you difference. Can, if you even call it sacrificing your principles. You know. Sure. Yeah. We might have to conform to some extent. And and deal with people yeah, that you know you don't necessarily agree with morally. I've heard of um, Amy Goodman losing credibility because from who she takes money from, you know. I, I'm not familiar because with Amy Goodman. Amy Goodman is democracy. Democracy now. Uh, yeah. I'm out yeah, of the loop. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think taking money from Ford Foundation or something, just like uh, NPR, you know. Sure. And you got to be careful, you know, where you're getting your money because then. People will say, ah, oh, okay, they're part of that, you know. Uh, yeah, I I certainly see where you're coming from, Brian. I really uh, sympathize with the message of skepticism, right? I think that's something that you would uh, you would espouse, right? Be skeptical yeah. of everything. And I, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that as well. And I think, you know, I even understand why, you know, there's all of this push on, uh, you know, right-wing talk radio, Fox News, uh, you certainly hear it uh, in the ads on this show that everybody's being encouraged to buy gold, and and I guess you know there there, there is some healthy skepticism of like why you know why is that happening? Who could benefit from that? But I do understand that, but you know yeah, this is what I would suggest. Yeah, this is what I would suggest, um, and I'm not saying that this is what you think, but set up. Uh, an episode of Free Talk Live next to an episode of the Glenn Beck Show, and then take take <laughs> yeah. turns watching them in ten minute increments, going back and forth. And at the end of the two hour, or the I guess it would take you know a few hours to do that. But at the end of that time, see if you think we're controlled by the uh, <laughs> you yeah. know the same people. <laughs> I think you'll come to the conclusion that we're not. And um, I, I do like your guys' message way better right, than 
any of the mainstream stuff. I mean, I, I do. I like your guys' show. Well, thanks, and, friend. And the other thing too is just you know, I'm kind of an outsider. I've listened to this show for five years, and and I do think that the 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 people who run it have done uh, a fine job of building it up from being relatively modest in size five years ago to to what it is today. And I think you know they've needed advertising oh, to yeah. do that. Almost a hundred affiliates. Yeah, that's a big accomplishment. And that that growing in scope like that allows them to get the message to more people. I mean, this really is, uh, it's kind of a miracle uh, of these ideas, yeah. not to, you know, to take away from anybody's work, but the fact that this show plays on radio stations that during the day play people like Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly Michael and Glenn Savage, Beck, yeah. that's, a, that's like a major accomplishment. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, absolutely. Brian, uh, thank you so much. We're really glad you're out there listening. And, you know, maybe you could call in during the week to take uh, Ian and Mark up on some of the advertising stuff. And uh, we certainly do appreciate you being out there. Thanks for the call. So uh, we we have some other calls to get the, to, although we are coming up on a break. So I wonder if Hannah can stick around. Maybe she'll want to. I believe I can. So very nice. I shall. Okay. Well, uh, this is Free Talk Live. If you would like to give us a call, the phones are loaded up right now, but please do. It's uh, 603-435-1105 if you'd like to talk to us about whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. We'll be back. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. We are so glad you joined us tonight. This has been a rocking show. I'm having so much fun. Stephanie here with you. And Hannah. And Brett. And Brett has a special message to tell us about, don't you? Sure. Yes, about <laughs> Porkfest. Get ready. It's the biggest liberty-oriented event of 2011, and it's happening this June 20th through the 26th. Will you be there? Uh-huh. We all yeah, will be. We will. Uh, the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is a week-long camping event held at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. From live performances to family fun to agorism and action, Porkfest has something for everyone who loves freedom. So what are you waiting for? Be part of the premier freedom event of 2011. Visit Porkfest.com today. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Use coupon code FREETALKLIVE to save 20% on early bird registration T-shirts, flags, and framed group photos. Indeed. And, you know, I believe, it doesn't say this in the ad, but uh, I believe Brett will be a speaker at uh, Porcupine Freedom Festival, right, Brett? Something like that could happen, yeah. Excellent. Um, might be a couple of things. Uh, there, there might be a panel discussion about education as well. So, Oh, that'll be very interesting. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would be interested in seeing that who are parents, uh, for one, and, and also who are just interested in maybe working with children or mm. who just are interested in the subject. You know, I, I really wish my parents had known about some stuff like uh, unschooling or even homeschooling, some of the alternative educational methods. Absolutely. Mine as well. Indeed. So we have tons of calls. I'm not even going to, I guess I can give out the number. It's 603-435-1105, but we do have three calls on the line. Wow. I am so glad our listeners are so participatory. I think we're going to bring on Alex in New Jersey first. Is this Alex? Yes, it is. Thank you. Hi, Alex. Um, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I just wanted to call and uh, speak to any young people who are trying to get to New Hampshire uh, if you found liberty. Um, my recommendation is that if you're going to go to college and you, um, that, that's the choice that you decided on, uh, go to UNH, the University of New Hampshire. Um, mm -hmm. Again, if you're planning on going to college, um, then definitely 
make sure that UNH is on your list. Um, I know of no better way to move to New Hampshire for the Free State Project uh, than to go to college there and, you know, establish your roots early. Hmm. And that's what you do, right? That, that is exactly what I did, yes. Cool. So, so. I, guess, I guess you've been happy with the, your experience there, um, recommending it. Um, I it, was, I was going to ask you, you know, what do you think about the fact that UNH is actually a state school, Alex? Well, um, from what I understand, the University of New Hampshire is the school, um, the school that accepts the least amount of public funding mm-hmm. out, of, out of all the schools out there. Um, and even I, in I, name, I mean, ironically, you know, all schools except for federal funding, all colleges and universities, except like Hillsdale College, right? is the only one that doesn't or something like that and maybe Bob Jones University or something like that but uh yeah i mean they all essentially do accept federal funds even the ones that are nominally private so yeah they're being right. paid with government the, the money government through the loans student loan, yeah. Yeah. the government student loan process right definitely but yeah. um if you're if you're look if you're young and you're looking for a quick uh easy way to get into New Hampshire and move up there uh, and you're going to go to college, then uh, I definitely suggest the University of New Hampshire. Uh, I don't recommend college uh, right now if you have to pay for it yourself. Uh, I think it's a ripoff. I think that there's a, a bubble in tuition. But I definitely do think that if somebody else is paying for it or you have a scholarship or you're an athlete or something and you want to get up here, uh, I definitely recommend the University of New Hampshire. Hmm. What if? Well, what kinds of programs uh, do, do they have? Because someone like me, I mean, I'm, I have a very specialized interest. I'm a jazz musician. And so I, I go to music school in New York and I've been looking at schools in and around New Hampshire, but there's nothing that really compares to the opportunities I have in New York. And so, I mean, I'm not sh- I probably looked at university of New Hampshire, but I'm not sure. Sh- I mean, like, do they have specialized programs like that? Yeah, but they have a specialized programs in a lot of, in a, a lot of different areas. For example, I'm a biochemistry major and uh, you know, I'm getting a, a, a very good education there. Um, now, for, for some things uh, like astrophysics, for example, uh, that may not be the University of New Hampshire's number one priority, but um, there, there's, if you're looking to get into New Hampshire and you're willing to um, set aside any alternatives that you think might be better as far as... Um, in other states, mm-hmm. then I would recommend the University of New Hampshire. Hmm. Well, cool advice, Alex. Um, and I think you, I did want to touch on something else that you brought up, which is that you are specializing in a very technical uh, field, Alex, right? Biochemistry. So that's traditionally something, I was also a biochem major in college, by the way. <laughs> but, oh, you wow, know, very nice. A lot, of the, a lot of the biochem majors go on to become scientists or doctors or, you know, something in, in health or science-related fields. Or dealers. Drug dealers, yeah. (laughs) 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 Or even practical application. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if he's referring to pharmaceutical reps or something like that, but those would be legalized drug dealers. But yeah, yeah, I think that college is, as a general rule, college is probably more useful if you are going into one of those technical fields like engineering or medicine or um, science, what, what have you. So definitely, and and my recommendation is to not go to college unless somebody else is paying for it. Cool. Well, words of wisdom from someone who's in that system. Is there anything else on your mind, Alex, tonight? Oh, thank you very much for taking my call. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Alex. The only thing that I would add is, do not go to college unless you know exactly why you're going there and what you want to do. It's yeah, a very definitely. expensive way to spend a year deciding 
what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I have to yeah. kind of disagree. I, I agree with the part of, you know, don't, you know, get a lot of student loans and then you're putting yourself into a lot of debt. But if you have someone else paying for you, like if you have an education fund that your parents set up or something, um, I think it's definitely beneficial to have a bachelor's degree, even if it's just a general liberal, liberal arts degree. That you know, it does it does open doors, and to be able to say that you have you know a BA or a BS mm-hmm. um, on a resume that that does help, but that's that's not giving people the edge anymore. Like now, the question is not did you go to college for four years? It's you know did you go to college for six years? So, <laughs> and there's also an opportunity cost. Don't forget. I mean, the the concept in economics of opportunity cost is like what could you have been doing instead of what you did do. And in some cases, for some people, um, going to college and getting a major in, you know, anthropology or something like that, mm. well, it might have been interesting and educational. You know, maybe they could have spent that time not incurring debt, but instead making income and building up other skills, maybe getting on the job training or, or so forth. Well, how about, how about going to New Hampshire and building up your relationships with the activists here? Absolutely. Which sure. may not have a monetary cost, especially at first, but... Uh, definitely has that sort of psychological income aspect to it. Well, for me, um, you know, besides just getting a bachelor's degree, I have certain opportunities at school, like uh, networking with other musicians and mm-hmm. um, teaching and, and performances and showcasing my music. And I'm, I'm not sure if I could as easily, you know, reach those goals outside of that setting. Sure. Yeah, I hear you, Hannah. I mean, in a sense, you're kind of like a sound engineer, right? <laughs> you need to build up those collaborations. And, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm something. <laughs> <laughs> you are something. <laughs> Thank you. Well, all right, Alex, thanks for the call tonight. We do appreciate your call, and we've got some other callers to get into. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's it's up to everyone whether they want to make that, uh, that decision to go to college or not. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it's it's almost hard to argue with the fact that over the years tuitions have gone up mm-hmm. and sort of the, the yield on college has, has gone down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of required classes that you have to take that aren't necessarily relevant to any real world skills you're going to get. And I don't know, people say college makes you more worldly. And in some cases, sure it does, but a lot of people go to college and spend a lot of time partying. And so I think it's what you make of it, just like anything else. It's a good mm-hmm. point that Hannah makes because like, yeah. uh, that's true. If your parents set up a college fund for you, 18 years ago, and by some miracle, they still have that money. Um, you know, why not? Yeah. Um, I, I do recommend that if people are going there on their own dime, even not, you know, partial, even partially, that they think carefully about what they want to do and why they're there and they go with a goal. A lot of people yeah. go undeclared. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I do college consulting and I work with a lot of these kids who are 17 and 18 and they, they just don't know, but it's the 13th grade and that's what you do and nothing else is acceptable according to my parents. Sure. So that's unfortunate. Sure. All right. Well, we got a, a bunch of other calls on the line. Um, and thank you so much for making these calls. Now, I forget who this is, but I know you were um, second in the order <laughs> based on the little light that was blinking. So caller, you're on the air. Who's this? This is Nick from Illinois. Hi, Nick. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so um, thank you for calling tonight. And uh, what's on your mind? Hi. Uh, on the issue of corporations and uh, whether or not they are possible without a government, I recalled once reading an article on Mises or Lou Rockwell's Defense of Corporation. I found it right here. The Mises blog was written by Nick Pillow. Nick, uh, um, can you hold that thought? I was a little slow in bringing you on, and uh, we're coming up on a break. So hold that okay. thought. 
We will bring you right back when we return. This is Free Talk Live. You should give us a call, 603-435-1105. We will return. More with Nick when we come back. Welcome back. This is Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for sticking with us for the break. I am your host, Stephanie. And Hannah. And Brett. Yes. And we've been having one hell of a show so far. It's been really fun, lady and gentlemen. (laughs) So uh, before the break, we had a call from Nick. And I'm just going to bring Nick right back on so he can finish his point. Because, uh, Nick, I think you had started to tell us a little bit more about uh, a a Mises article uh, on the... Ludwig von Mises Institute's website, right? Yes. Yes. To, to give you some quick background, the last time the corporation issue came up on the weekday Free Talk Live, I made the case that corporations would still exist in a free market, but only in the sense that they would limit their liability by contracting with another organization to share the cost of restitution, mm-hmm. uh, like insurance. And Mark said, so basically they would have insurance. I said, yeah, pretty much. And he said, so then there's really no need to call it a corporation. And I left it at that. But then I found this article, uh, apparently that was, a case of me not understanding what it is that defines a corporation. Um, I'm not sure I understand it either, by the way, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's pretty complicated. Well, Stephen Kinsella makes the case that there's nothing unlibertarian about a limited liability setup because you could reproduce it entirely through private contracts without violating anyone's rights. Specifically, when you do business with a particular company that organizes itself as a corporation, then you would agree not to go after the assets of the shareholders of that company if the corporation winds up owing you money. Or in other words, that shareholders are not liable for contractual obligations of the corporation. Apparently, that's what makes a corporation a corporation. I originally thought that what made a corporation was that they had some uh, protection from legal action. Yep. Yeah. Um, huh. But, I, uh, I'm could... still not sure I completely understand. <laughs> so I think it's that... Uh, so the shareholders' personal... Property is not at risk. Mm-hmm. If, like if the corporation owes a lot of debt, then you can't go after the shareholders for the right. payment of that debt. Sure. Yeah. And that can be reproduced through private contracts. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not entirely sure with Kinsella's point that uh, even in our current system that there is no uh, tort liability protection. Although he says it in this article. He says, as for tort liability, I'm not aware of corporate law limiting the liability of any person, shareholder, or otherwise. In libertarian law, if you have a complex organization or business, you need to show some given person is responsible for the tort committed by someone else. You want to hold them responsible. The causation question, he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the FedEx truck driver negligently runs you over, is the shareholder responsible? Well, why would he be responsible in the first place? Because he gave a bit of money to the company and right. goes on like that. Yeah, this is all very interesting. I just, I don't feel like I have the background to answer these, I mean, (laughs) to speak to this intelligently. What about Brett or Hannah? Um, No, but I mean, I would say, of course, just to go back to what we were saying before, and I think this kind of complements the previous discussion that it is a false dichotomy between the government and corporations. It's a false dichotomy between corporations and regulations. Mm -hmm. They use those things to their benefit. And basically what, what a corporation is, as I understand it, is it's uh, a legal setup that allows a business to behave like a government. And we've seen how that's worked over the, the last 100 years. Is that fair? I think, maybe, I think maybe Stephen Kinsella is kind of splitting hairs over the exact meaning of the word corporation. Kind of like how some people split hairs over the meaning of a government. 
Sure. You know, because, like, on the one hand, we have corporations as we know them today, which is a word referring to a specific organizational setup that is established in law by the government. You have to have a board of directors. It's very yeah. particular. Yeah. But then maybe there's another definition of the word that Kinsella prefers, which just refers to a setup where shareholders are not responsible for the debts of the of the corporation. Yeah, that's certainly possible. I mean, <laughs> I do think words have meaning and it. it's important how you define things. But on the other hand, I've seen a lot of, you know, writers use words particularly like that to kind of redefine their meaning. You know, uh, mm-hmm. for example, like I, Kevin Carson, the way he uses capitalism, he means corporatism, but he oh. says capitalism. Hey, oh, that f- is, yeah. I, I, I once had this big debate with someone online about capitalism, and it wasn't until the end of it, when we had both got tired of it, that I finally realized that we were operating from completely different definitions of capitalism. Yeah. I was using it to mean free markets, but then I realized later that he saw capitalism as referring to, uh, inherently to capital accumulation. For example, uh, he did not see charity as being a part of capitalism, whereas I did, mm-hmm. because we didn't, we, because we weren't operating from the from the same definition of the words, we were just basically arguing at each other rather than with each other. Right. So definitions yeah. first, and I think that that will get you on the same page. It's, it, it's important to see if you're even compatible with somebody for a debate. Um, so I think getting sure. the definitions clear, getting the language clear up front is very important to make sure that uh, time is not being wasted. And that's sometimes an issue when you're, you know, you're talking to someone about the ideas of liberty yeah. and you're not sure which Often. terms to use, you know, like... When I'm in a, you know, around other libertarians or liberty-oriented people, I can use the word anarchism. Yep. But when I'm around, you know, liberals or, or, you know, people who don't understand those ideas, I'm not going to use that word necessarily. Sure. So it's, I mean, and if I do, then I have to clearly define, you know, what it means. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I've had the same problem, too. And I think uh, earlier, Hannah, before you were on, we, Brett and I were talking about listening and how important it is really as the fundamental first step to any kind of communication. Mm -hmm. And so um, listening to someone and, you know, kind of connecting with them first and realizing what they mean when they use certain terms, like for instance, capitalism or corporation can really go a long way towards setting up a productive discussion and hopefully getting them exposed to some of your ideas, planting some That sounds very non-violent communication-y to me, (laughs) which I like. Yeah, I think I think definitely Empathy. I'm on board with that. Yeah, that. That's part of what I'm saying, too, about compatibility, that kind of being able to assess what someone's goals are for a conversation or what their needs are for the conversation. If, yeah. if, if the only need that they can articulate is to want to bully you and run over you and talk at you, uh, that's a, that's a conversation that I would probably walk away from. Well, but I, just to play devil's advocate, Brett, if they're seemingly articulating the need to bully you, then really what they're expressing is uh, that they want respect, you know, yeah, they, sure, they sure. want someone to understand them and to be understood mm-hmm. and, and all that. They're just expressing it in a way that is maybe tragic. So um, to realize yeah. that what they're actually wanting um, and just maybe not be seeing it in the right way mm-hmm. uh, is important too. So, so it comes down to, you know, a question of how much patience do you have and how practiced are you yep. in communicating um, with somebody uh, like that in a productive way. Absolutely. Uh, some of us, I mean, I could still use plenty of practice uh, doing that myself. Yep. One warning sign to look for in conversations like that is uh, I have noticed that there are two ways to have an argument with someone. One is where you don't really trip up over the 
definitions of words. And like when somebody makes a point, you don't nitpick the words used. You just get what they're saying and you move on. But then you also have people where they get into this mode where they where where it's more like a debate than a discussion, and they just want to they just want to dis, disprove what you said. It's like you know they'll, yeah. they'll say, well, that's not what you said just before. It's like, well, yeah. but you know what I mean. Like, but that's not what you said. And and in that situation, nobody's really listening to what each other are saying. They're just looking for the next point to dispute or argue with, and right. it just doesn't. It's not productive as far as sharing ideas goes. I think. And then sometimes you get to a point like when I'm talking about, uh, you know, these ideas with my dad and I say that, you know, it's to me, it's a given that tax uh, taxes are theft. Right. But he doesn't think that tax taxation is theft. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, yeah, we just we did kind of disagree on that term. But how do we resolve that? Because it just seems obvious to me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how could I use, you know, like different terminology to explain that concept? It really is a language problem, too, because the truth of it is somebody at some point just made up a different word for theft, you know, that applies to certain situations and people accepted it as something Mm -hmm. different. I think that one of the the real obstacles that a lot of us run into when we're making arguments from the philosophy of liberty is we have this really annoying habit of using language that's consistent with reality. So and a lot of political people don't like that. So when you start when i say we i'm not talking about the government um when i say uh you know revenue enhancement or or taxation i i i'm not using those words as a substitute for for theft yeah um so i yeah. think that people have this agreed upon kind of magical funhouse euphemistic language that they like to use and when you disrupt that it can you disrupt can the whole conversation as well get under their skin yeah right We'll talk more about communication when we return. Nick, thank you so much for the call. We do appreciate it. And we'll get to more calls when we come back. This is Free Talk Live. We will return. This is Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're so glad you stuck with us for the break. I'm Stephanie. I'm Hannah. And I am Brett. Yes, indeed. And uh, we have so many calls on the line. I guess I'm not even going to bother giving out the line, the uh, the number right now because we are loaded up. And thank you so much for the participation tonight. It's been a blast and really fun. Uh, first caller we have to bring on is Ty in Tennessee. Uh, are you there, Ty? Yeah, good evening, uh, Stephanie, Brett, and Hannah. So you guys are reminding me why I missed the Sunday show. It's a great show tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, I, I just wanted to kind of address, I think it was a caller maybe three or four ago that was a, a new listener to Free Talk Live, and he mm-hmm. had some trepidations about uh, some of the uh, advertisers on Free Talk Live being the same as some of the right-wing Looney Tune radio guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was Brian. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that I, I think that may be just a misperception. If you really look at those products... Those are liberty-oriented products. LifeLock, I don't know if, 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 the, listener, if the new listener is familiar with um, the market for liberty or some of the ideas of reputation agencies. Well, if he's, if he's not, basically, I'm just going to interrupt you, Ty. Life, if, if he's not familiar with uh, those books, the market for liberty, or uh, some of these ideas of um, private security and reputation uh, rating agencies, he can go to, I believe, book.freekeen.com. And Ian has made that's right, yeah. made freely available an, an audio book of the Market for Liberty. So 
uh, yeah, that, that LifeLock is is not a perfect example. I mean, but it, of of a reputation agency, but it's like a foot in the door toward it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it is a liberty oriented thing, and I think there was a slight mis- misperception about gold and silver being controlled by these plutocrats, and that they're selling it. You know. To make just to make money. Well, the reason gold and silver is so valuable now is because confidence in the government's going down, and confidence in the government is what makes the currency, the fiat currency, valuable. Well, uh, yeah, it's a hedge. So, I mean, it's a hedge. It's a protection. It's exactly. a protection. Exactly. It's a way to. It's a way to try to protect or to to preserve the value of your money, uh, of what you currently have. So. Uh, it's the, if if the government could control it, then we would be using it right now. The reason that that we're not using a gold and silver standard is because the government can't keep control of it. Yeah, and I didn't uh, I didn't want to suggest that I uh, was sympathetic to those uh, s- suspicions. I mean, obviously, it makes sense. You look at the Fed. You look at quantitative easing two, quantitative easing three, which is probably coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to be uh, betting against the dollar or at least trying to protect whatever wealth you have. And as far as the LifeLock thing is concerned, this is this is sort of an identity theft protection. Right. All right. Well, that might be appealing to two different groups for two completely different reasons. Uh, maybe liberty-oriented people would be interested in something like that because they know it's their responsibility to protect themselves, to protect their wealth, to protect their identity. And that they don't own their reputation, that it exists in other people's minds. Right. I'm right. not familiar with the, the product, really, but uh, you know, anytime you're talking about reputation, it's fair to say that you, it's not something that you yourself, it's about you, but it's not owned by you. Right. Right. It also might be appealing to to people who are, um, you know, paranoid about the same yeah. people who are buying the, uh, you know, the Dick Cheney human safe underground uh, bunker thing. You know, the, 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 <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, and I've seen the Internet, especially as an educator, the Internet really comes under attack in the schools is like, oh, Wikipedia, anybody could write on that. Uh, and, and like. Kids seem yeah, like they're being, awesome. <laughs> yeah, like they're being uh, discouraged to trust the internet. And I've had this suspicion. It's nothing more than a suspicion, but there seems to be a lot of fear mongering about the internet, especially related to things like uh, reliability of information, but most importantly to identity theft. I've never met anybody or known anybody who knew anybody who had their identity stolen, but I, I see like a really disproportionate amount of of ads for um you know how serious of a problem i really think this is and mm. maybe that's just uh, about trying to put some controls on the internet you know what i mean it seems like there is an effort especially in the last couple of years to put more controls on the internet and maybe this specter of identity theft is a way that the state could ultimately do that but that's that's Purely speculative on Could my be. part. Or, or yeah, what if- I, mean, I just think that this is kind of like a foot in the door toward the liberty mindset's ideal of a reputation agency. That this this is a way. This is like a crack. And I agree uh, that'll, that may lead to it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people often cite things like credit ratings, although they're certainly imperfect. Uh, they cite things like credit ratings, or perhaps the eBay feedback system, or the Amazon seller feedback system. Uh, you know, rating transactions and stuff and such as sort of um, things that resemble a, um, a reputation rating system. If you think about it, we kind of already have that in effect, though. Like when you're when you're going to find a doctor, you don't just, you know, look uh, in the yellow yeah. pages. I mean, some people might, but you, your luck isn't very people good. People over age 70 probably do. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know, like you find someone that was recommended to you or, you know, someone in your, you know, family. Or you just that, Google them. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And you, you know, learn about their reputation and just because someone has a license doesn't mean they're necessarily good at what they do. And Absolutely. there are all kinds of dishonest people. So we have that basically, we have that system in effect. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, to, to kind of wrap up, I just wanted to, to let, let the, let that uh, new listeners mind be at ease that there's no, corporate puppet master behind Free Talk Live, certainly not, <laughs> and that uh, these are liberty-oriented products or can be liberty-oriented products. And uh, I just wanted to warn him of one thing, that uh, listening to Free Talk Live is like a gateway drug to other wonderful products like uh, Pork Therapy and <laughs> School Thank Sucks you. Podcast and uh, Hannah's done some things, too, that I've heard her voice, I think, on some of the School Sucks podcasts, as a matter of fact. Well, so Hannah actually sings a, the Pork Therapy singing. theme song. Yeah, that's she was the oh, is that right? How about puppet that? master yeah. of our <laughs> theme song. <laughs> so just be careful. It'll, it'll lead to other things. <laughs> Thank you so much for the call, Ty. We do appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> and, yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. I, I would like to let the global elitists who advertise on free talk live know just you know they can throw some cash to the sunday crew once in a while right i haven't seen any of that <laughs> yeah no i i think i think ty had some great points and uh we certainly do thank him for for the call and by the way i haven't pimped uh, brett's podcast yet in this hour so school sucks podcast what's your website brett school sucks project.com yeah this is honestly um a personal endorsement i maybe i'm biased but this is one of my favorite podcast my favorite forms of audio entertainment to listen to uh every time there's a new episode it's first in my pod trapper and i always listen to it and i knew about brett's podcast before i knew brett himself so i guess i'm not that biased but just a ringing endorsement and of course um you can check out hannah's music too hannah's a uh, a jazz musician as she said uh catch her live at one of her performances or um I think hhmusic.net or is, is that? Oh no, or? it's not. Okay, never <laughs> don't mind. Don't go there. <laughs> okay, don't go there. <laughs> um, I'm working on a new website, but uh, it's not up yet. It's going to cool. be hannahhoffman.net. Cool. Well, you so. know, I'm sure um, if you're lucky, uh, if and if you're lucky, and if you uh, if you send her some encouragement, maybe you'll catch Hannah singing at Porkfest, or maybe oh, she'll do like a possibly. private rendition for you. You know, play some piano and. It's possible. You never know at your campsite. Yeah. <laughs> if I see enough money, then. Everything has its price, you know? That's true, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And of course, my show uh, is a podcast about relationships from a liberty perspective. That's Pork Therapy, P-O-R-C therapy.com. We'll be back. We're coming up on another break, but we've got Ed uh, listening on the line, holding very patiently. You'll have to to stick with us if you want to see what Ed wants to talk about. And of course, you can give us a call, 603-435-1105, if you want to let us know what's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, and we'll be back. This is Free Talk Live, and we're back. Thank you for sticking with us. Stephanie here with you. And Hannah. And Brett. And Hannah has something she'd like to tell us about. I do. The biggest (laughs) freedom-themed event of 2011 is happening this summer from June 20th through the 26th. Will you be there? Yep. Awesome. Me too. (laughs) The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival has something for everyone. This year, you can be a part of it. From live music to games to vendors you won't find anywhere else, Porkfest has got it all. Early bird reg- registration is just $25 for the whole week. What are you waiting for? Take part in the premier liberty-oriented event of 2011. 
Visit porkfest.com today. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. And make sure to use coupon code FREETALKLIVE to save 20% on early bird registration, T-shirts, flags, and framed group photos. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I was secretly hoping Hannah would... um you know, make part of this into an impromptu jingle and be like, P O R C F E S T porkfest.com advice this good. Oh, wait, <laughs> I already did that one. <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> oh, very nice. So, um, we do have a bunch of calls to get to, but uh, yes, definitely go to porkfest.com and register for porkfest. It's going to be a blast. We'll all be there having fun and doing educational things and doing, um, well, other. Every- Awesome things. Yeah. <laughs> Is there going to be hiking this year? I think there will be hiking. Because I missed out on that last year. I did lead a hike last year, although I have to say I wasn't um, too proud of it because it, it ended up going into like this field. We kind of got lost, and <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun to get outside anyway. Anyway, so Pork Fest will be fun, but we have some calls to take first. So Ed is on the line. Ed, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. What's How on your mind doing? tonight? Hey, Ed. Great. Yeah, how you doing today, Hannah, Brett? Uh, hey, uh, uh, you know, listen and silent have the same letters in it. But, listen uh, and silent. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, y'all were talking about that earlier. But anyway, uh, I want to talk about Paul Goodman. Do sure. y'all know much about him? We, uh, I believe Brett has been investigating him a little bit, uh, just from a cursory. Yeah, okay, he was bisexual in 1947, but hey, this guy was sharp. Uh, <clears throat> let me see here. He was a novelist, TV critic, university professor, poet, playwright, short story writer, literary critic, and so forth. But has been his, uh, but has been his very influential and effective criticism of schools and society that has brought him fame or notoriety, as some of his critics would have it. Uh, regimentation, conformity, bureaucracy, and the moral suffocation of corporate America are among his favorite topics. Mm-hmm. But he wrote a book called Growing Up Absurd, uh, The Community of Scholars Making Do Compulsory uh, Miseducation. And anyway, this is from Freedom and Learning, but anyway, he's a, you know, a thinker. Sure. But I was just wondering if y'all knew about him. He was, a, like I said, openly bisexual in 19, you know, 50s, 47. Yeah, and that's, I mean... That's something that's kind of a big step, right? I mean, even nowadays, still, bisexual men kind of face the stigma, you know. Nobody believes that they're actually bi. People think they're closeted gay. And, you know, um, not just that, but anyone admitting to homosexuality back in those days was really at risk of physical violence from um, many different people. And, of course, the religious influences were a lot stronger, too. Right. uh, Kind of adding some hatred to that equation. So, yeah, wow. Um, I think that is really iconoclastic and, and revolutionary to be open about one's sexuality when uh, when faced with such uh, grave consequences for it. So kudos to him. And it sounds like there is some stuff um, for Brett to check out, maybe for his uh, podcast. Absolutely. I found an a, excerpt from uh, the, the Growing Up Absurd book here and that I'm looking through online right now. And uh, honestly, Ed, this is the first that I've ever heard of Paul Goodman that I remember anyway. So I will definitely check him out. Yeah, hey, I tell y'all since y'all probably raised up, I'm not I me. Mean, I know y'all not homophobes or anything. I'm not a phobe of anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Hey, as I like to quote Noam Chomsky, uh, the only uh, ism I like are truisms. But anyway, I didn't know much about Paul Goodman. I figured y'all could look him up. But uh, you know, but uh, what I like about him is his uh, thing about education, and he, he, you know, he was talking about everything, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that was going on at the time. But anyway, there's a book, and you can get this thing for like $4, Coming of Age in Philosophy. It's got Paul Goodman in it, J.L. Mackey, uh, uh, Mark Twain. Have you, have you read uh, Letters from the Earth from Mark Twain? No. I have that don't. book. I've read through it, as I do with so many books. <laughs> uh-huh. but, Is that not something else, what he's saying there? Uh, they definitely... believe in this uh, uh, man in the sky. They, he thinks they, he, <laughs> that the man in the sky is thinking about him. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, a revolutionary. I mean, it, is, it is neat. Yeah, I, I'm always okay, a fan well, of Mark. Thanks, Ed. Thanks so much for the call. We do okay. appreciate that suggestion. And uh, yeah, I always am interested when I see Mark Twain's little pithy atheist quotes because <laughs> it's some of them are extremely funny, but you know they're funny because uh, you know there's truth to them. It's uh, and and you know he also had some remarkable attitudes about um, abolition. He was an abolitionist, right, uh, of slavery, and so he had some some cutting edge ideas of, about that too. So cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the suggestion, Ed. And uh, we do have one more call on the line. I believe we have uh, someone very special. This is the Porcupine Realtor. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello, ladies and Brad. Hello. Hi, Mark. <laughs> okay, so no, let's not use my real name because I, I'm covert. aware of some of the circles that y'all run in. <laughs> and and since I'm a state representative here in New Hampshire, you know, I got to keep a low profile. We'll call him Cram. And you were also, you've also been an advertiser on Free Talk Live, so I'm looking forward to seeing some spots for you on the Glenn Beck show mm-hmm. in the near future. Yeah. That sounds good to me. In fact, I was at an event yesterday, and a gentleman from Florida was up here visiting, and he said, oh, you're the Porcupine Realtor. He said, I was driving around in my rental car and tuning into the radio, and I heard uh, LRN.FM on the local station. So I, I want you to know that uh, your mellifluous voices are getting out there in the airwaves. Well, that's wonderful. We, that's what we, we want. <laughs> we want more people. I, I learned tonight that Hannah was the singer behind the Park Therapy jingle. So I'm going to ask you and put you on the spot tonight, Hannah, if oh. you would uh, be interested in doing a jingle for Park Fun Realtor. Oh, absolutely. Um, send wow. me an email or Facebook. I think we're friends on Facebook. So yeah, I don't know if Con- Hannah wants to give out her contact info. Yeah, publicly. I, no. I'm pretty sure you, you have it. Or if not, uh, this I is know, a I very selective her. group who gets to contact <laughs> Hannah. Okay, Indeed. guys, need to back away. <laughs> you didn't mean that you wanted it to be produced right now, Mark. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. freestyle. <laughs> well, if, if she's going to be a pork fest, I think maybe we can bring a real microphone and then a tape deck up to pork fest and do it there. Cool. You, can, so, you can recycle it too. He's a porcupine. Yeah, exactly. Who sells some homes. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie can Good. make I, sure there are no garden gnomes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't want to be called a mensch. I'm not sure what that is, but I don't want to be called one. Oh, well, Hannah yeah. can explain. See, uh, Hannah and I, for the listeners who aren't watching on the cam, um, some people mistake Hannah and I for twins because we both indeed. have Because we are twins. We are, yeah. Well, yeah. Long lost. Right, yeah. Indeed. But we found each other, so it's okay. We found so each just other. To, uh, <laughs> just to extend the fantasy a bit further for those listeners out there who haven't met these ladies in person, <laughs> yes, and uh, Brett, sorry, Brett, we'll have to save compliments for you to another time. But uh, We're actually triplets. I'm breaking that right now. I'm yeah. revealing that right now. We're actually triplets reunited. <laughs> <laughs> Three twins, yeah. From the same embryo something. <laughs> uh, the, only, the only difference between them is a good plastic surgeon. Right. And the uh, these ladies are not only intelligent, but they're real liberty mavens, and they're a lot of fun, and they're good hikers. 
<laughs> so I think that hike with Stephanie up to Mount Tennessee, and Hannah and I and some others went up Mount Monadnack in Cheshire County, New Hampshire. So we're calling everybody that's uh, within the airwaves tonight to join us at Porcupine Freedom Festival in June. We'll let these ladies ladies lead us on a hike. Absolutely. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And um, Mark, thank you so much. I mean, I'm sorry, Pork. Porcupine Porcupine Realtor. realtor. That's right. (laughs) Thank you for your compliments. Good night. (laughs) Nice nice chatting with y'all. Very nice. Thanks for the call. And uh, we always appreciate um, some nice compliments. And definitely, um, if anyone else would like to hire Hannah for a jingle, please, uh, please, please do. <laughs> please call us <laughs> and please do. So when we get back, um, we have a topic that I've been wanting to bring up all night. We're going to talk about mutual aid and an organization called Free Aid that I've been involved with. Um, so stick around. We've got more exciting content coming up in our last segment. This is, of course, Free Talk Live. The triplets will return. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. This has been... Time has just flown so fast on the show, and I definitely want to make sure that I really thank Hannah and Brett for coming in with me tonight. It's been a blast. You all have some great ideas, and I, I really enjoy working with you, and thanks a lot. So Thanks for having us. It's been wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I've been here for like less than a third of the show, but thank you. No, I think more than that. I think you <laughs> oh, came in like yeah. halfway, I want to say. Well, but uh, Thanks. Yeah, Any fun. amount is, is good, and uh, it's been really fun. So um, definitely make sure to check out all of the media that these fine folks make, um, as we'll link to in the podcast and everything. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. We're heading up on our last segment tonight. And I did want to make sure that we talked about something that um, I'm very interested in recently. Um, we've we've spoken about Porcupine Freedom Festival on the show tonight. And at Porcupine Freedom Festival, there are going to be a lot of different... Um, well, it's very de- decentralized. So there are a lot of other organizations and vendors and people with uh, ideas and products to promote and so forth. And, of course, just people going and having fun. But um, it's also there as kind of a, a venue, I guess, for ideas. Um, and along those lines, uh, last summer, my good friend Teresa and uh, another friend Garland were at Porkfest, and they were talking about basically um, – wouldn't it be cool if there was an organization that would help uh, people in the freedom community to help each other by educating them about things like um, CPR and first aid and other kind of health and wellness uh, related things. And so basically from this idea um, flowed a lot of other talking and um, they decided to start this organization called free aid and free aid is is spelled with FR33. You can actually go to, fr33aid.com, which is going to redirect to our Facebook fan page at the moment. Um, But pretty soon there'll be a functional website up there. And uh, Free Aid is basically an organization to promote mutual aid among liberty-loving folks. And, you know, we plan to have a a presence at, um, you know, events like Free Keen Fest, which is now actually Keen Liberty Fest, and and Pork Fest, and do some, some outreach teaching people basic CPR and life support skills and um, other things that they can, they can know about their health and wellness and just basically promoting the idea of, uh, of people helping other people because, you know, 
there's this old saying when seconds count, the police are just minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. I mean, especially when someone goes into cardiac arrest or something, that's a, it's a pretty rare event, but, um, you know, wouldn't you be able, like to be able to play a role in helping someone, you know, potentially save their life? Mm. Um, the biggest factor in whether someone survives a, a cardiac arrest is actually whether someone else was there and was willing to do CPR, not whether they did good CPR or anything like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's it's pretty easy to do now. They change the guidelines so you don't even have to blow into the person's mouth. You just basically have to press on their chest. Mm. So, um, so we want to kind of get that idea out there. And I think it's always good for us as people who promote um, a voluntary society and people cooperating to get um, uh, to get a good life, basically, to get um, the things that we all want in society, um, doing that on a voluntary basis. I think it's good to get that idea out there and sort mm-hmm. of get some education that helps put that into practice. So um, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to bring that up and, and see what you all thought of that idea. And maybe we could talk about other types of mutual aid. I know this definitely relates to schooling, Brett, mm-hmm. because um, in the past there were these sort of cooperatives, especially among immigrants, as I understand it. Um, in the in the early U.S., where uh, people would kind of co-op to educate their and their neighbors' uh, children, and often it was you know done at very low cost, and it was an example of people kind of banding together and helping people without the need for government. Right, and I think you know the whole road to serfdom is there's uh, the government keeps finding more things to do. Mm-hmm. And then within a generation, the question is like, well, how could we possibly live without that? Within within a generation of the implementation of that so-called service, mm-hmm. the, the question people have is how could we possibly – what would you put in its place? We couldn't not have that program. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if I the think, government took over shoes, you know, people would be saying in 20 years, well, how would anyone get shoes if it weren't for the government? Right. And what, <laughs> would you just leave that up to the market and people making all different kinds of shoes? Who yeah, would know – That'll never happen. You know, You're utopian. It's a pipe dream. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. so that that dependence uh, is is really unfortunate because a lot of the the lodge medicine and mutual aid societies and charities of the past have kind of been pushed out mm-hmm. by, at the very least, the expectation that it's the government's job to provide um, you know health care to the people who have the most frequent and urgent healthcare needs, especially, you know, the poor and, and seniors. Mm-hmm. And um, and they do fall under the purview of completely uh, government-run healthcare, which is uh, Medicaid and, Medicaid and, and Medi- Medicare, Medicare yep. for old people and, and for veterans, uh, the VA system. Right. Yeah. And that accounts for more than 50% of all healthcare costs in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, education, you know, when that was first uh, implemented around the country in pockets, you know, it happened in different places at different times throughout the 19th century. But uh, a lot of people stood up and were really like, are you crazy? This is really what we're going to do? This is really how education is going to work? You're right. going to let the government do it? Yeah. Uh, but, if you know, it, it's just become such a, a standard part of society that, and, uh, you know, accepted that people are totally unaware that that's uh, even a dangerous idea to turn <laughs> the shaping of young people over to the government while they're being told they live in a free society. Yeah, absolutely. And and conversely, you know, I think it's dangerous to to always rely on these kind of um, services that, that could be private, you know, like sometimes ambulances are, are of course, private and everything. Um, but, you know, these organizations that are kind of tied into the government um, uh, to provide emergency uh, health care, especially when that could be done in the case of CPR, 
um, by people that are just bystanders. And, and that can really, really help and make a difference. So, I mean, I could envision free aid eventually going um, and doing other things to promote mutual aid and just charity, people helping each other um, do all kinds of things. But for now, I guess it's kind of focused on sort of health and wellness. And so uh, I'm really excited about it. I think I think it's a great organization to be involved in. And again, fr 33 aid.com uh we could certainly use some uh some donations and support to do our uh do our work at pork fest so do I, some outreach and i wonder do you like legally would would you need like some kind of a permit in order to teach cpr or something or i wonder if you know like the government would want to crack down on people teaching sure cpr yeah. i mean it could be uh, a possibility although you know trying to just get education out there uh there, right there so will, i think we do, we will have um you know, we certainly will have people who are qualified to do that kind of thing. Right. No, I'm just saying it would be ridiculous, certified. you know, if the state tried to crack down on trying to provide, you know, like really helpful uh, medical information to people. Oh, yeah. Like if they're, you know, if people are trying to teach uh, like CPR to passersby and then they try to arrest right, right. the people who are teaching CPR. Yeah, that that would not be nice. Um you know, and, and I hope that doesn't happen because. But if it does, it will make the state look or the city look ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it's it's not even about uh making them look ridiculous. I I think I think it would probably be a bad PR for them, but um but yeah, it would be a shame if they kind of tried to get in the way of that, especially since yeah, I mean, we should clarify there will be people um who are qualified to mm. kind of teach this stuff and who have worked as EMTs and paramedics and in the medical field even even MDs. So um we do have a call on the line. Uh let's bring this person on. Free Talk Live, who's this? Hello. Hi, this is Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hi, I'm sorry. Uh, my name is Dan Hyland. I uh, saw you guys on Facebook, and I, I called in. On, I uh, I didn't have the website to get and connect with you guys. Uh, I apologize. Oh, that's okay, Dan. Uh, welcome to the show. Um, if you would like to check out our website, it is freetalklive.com. And uh, I'm curious, when you said you saw us on Facebook, was this? Um, where did you see us? I'm uh, I'm cousins of Brett Vinant, and I saw this his is... posting of the number on there. <laughs> well, hi, Dan. How are you? I'm sorry I didn't catch your name. Yes, this is my cousin. I'm glad you called. No, yeah, yeah. I just I saw your number up there, and I was posting you comments, wondering what it was about. You know, I'm an avid listener to your show, and I just wanted to get in and talk about anything you guys were in on. I didn't I didn't realize it'd be directly connected to the show. Uh, yeah, but, uh, on Sunday there's really no uh, there's really no buffer between. You, I think you dialing the phone and you being on the air pretty yep. much, right? So, well, I'm sorry. I have a lot of political views. I just have nothing really organized right now. But um, I would love to call you guys back another time if that's okay. Uh, absolutely. 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 Yeah. And right, well, uh, on a personal good. note, we should get together soon. He lives down in Massachusetts. And he's, absolutely. Uh, I've, uh, oh. I've been trying to get a hold of your mother, Brett. And uh, I'll talk <laughs> to you guys soon. But uh, I just saw the phone number and I figured I'd call. Well, well I'm really, I'm really glad you're listening, and I'm really glad, uh, Dan. You're what, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, yeah, twenty two. So just out of school, and yeah. I'm, you know, I'm so glad that you've, uh, you've enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you soon. Indeed. Yeah, I'm spreading the word. I love you, Brett. And love I'll you talk too. To your mom soon. <laughs> oh, what a sweet way to end off the show, I, Dan. I hope you call back later because I want to know what you think of living in Massachusetts. But the show is just about over, so thanks for the call. This has been Free Talk Live. We want to thank you so much for listening. This has been Stephanie with you. And Hannah. And Brett. Have a good weekend. (laughs) Take care. We'll see you next time.